Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Kamiam Rabian, with my co-host, Jack Shields. Today we're going to be talking to you guys about some basketball that's going to happen this Friday. We're going to talk about a little more basketball, maybe some more basketball after that, and then some football nuggets for y'all. But, Jack, how was your weekend? Not too bad, man. Uh, Celebrated St. Patrick's Day. Oh, what kind? How in style? I didn't have a green beer, actually. I think it's the wow. first St. Patrick's Day. I haven't had a green beer in a long time. I did have Guinness, though, so I did check that box Guinness off. is good. Uh, I, did you wake up where you expected to wake up? I did, actually, yeah. yeah. That, when you turn 30, you get better about that kind of thing, but your hangovers are worse, so there's that. So Did you wear green? I did wear green. I had to wear green. I'm Irish. I'm very Irish, actually, so yeah, I... Kind of have to do all that stuff. It's an obligation. Did you wear the cool beer glasses they give you? I did not. No, I, I didn't. I got a late start to it because I had to work all day on Sunday. I see, but yeah, got to partake a little bit. I just kind of hung out. Word. Just a not a big St. Patrick's Day guy. Day. Sorry. St. Patrick's gay guy. No. <laughs> was, uh, day was, guy. No, was, not so much either. I mean, like, did not mean to do that. I mean, I uh, <laughs> we support all lifestyles. <laughs> yes, on we the, do. On the yeah, we're a very progressive podcast. Uh, podcast. Yes, we are. Um, I just, you know, I had some beers after I after I worked out, which is probably not a good idea. But I was playing video games, so it didn't really matter. But you want to talk about this basketball game that's supposed to happen this week? Oh yeah, if you if we have to. Sure. <laughs> yeah, All right. Well, <laughs> Oklahoma and Ole Miss. OU is nineteen and thirteen. Ole Miss twenty and twelve. They are squaring off Friday at eleven forty a.m. So, as a Sooners fan or people that watch Oklahoma. Many of you should be used to the 11 a.m. stuff. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we're we're conditioned for that for sure. So we're that, used to having to, you know, wake up at eight o'clock, get drinking and yeah. pregame and all that. I'll definitely be doing that on Friday. So I can't wait. It'll be a special Friday. And it's on true TV, so you yeah. can watch some impractical jokers before you watch the game. There you go. Or the game might be like you might be watching the game and be like, hey. I think an episode of Cops is on between yeah. each game or something <laughs> like that. You might be like Am I watching Impractical Jokers or am I, am I watching the game right now? And Ole Miss, actually right now, I thought I was, I was kind of surprised. They're a two-point favorite, but it's not too surprising when you see the games being played in South Carolina and just the overall stuff in general. Now, the, pra- the bracketologists before this, they said, and a lot of people had Oklahoma projected, projected as a 10th seed. And then... That seemed like the consensus. Yeah, yeah. it seemed pretty normal that, okay, and like... 
They lose to West Virginia for the second time in the season, which is god-awful. Unforgivable, one would say. And you're like, okay, you go from, all right, they've got like an eight through nine seed to, you know, Joe, uh, Fred Katz is, not Fred Katz, what's his name? Andy Katz. Andy Katz. It's the Katz guys. I yeah. Don't know. They, uh, they go from, yeah, they're definitely in to, okay, well, you know, sure, maybe. And then even after they lose, their, their rating was still pretty, pretty decent. Their net rating actually went up. Unbelievable. Between Wednesday and Sunday. Maybe it's because they got swept by like Iowa State and they won the Big 12 title. I don't know. It was <laughs> odd. Well, Florida beat a team they weren't supposed to, so maybe that was part of it. But anyways, Oklahoma gets a nine seed, which surprised me, surprised a lot of other people. I mean, on a scale of one to ten, how were you? How how much were you surprised that OU slots in at the nine seed? At a nine, oh, I'd say a six out of ten. I mean, I they. Obviously, strength of schedule and the quadrants and all that crap is uh, an important aspect mm-hmm. of it. Is but I I didn't think it was gonna come into play that much because I mean right. logic would tell you that they don't deserve to be a nine seed. But then again, you look at the other bubble teams, and their cases aren't great either. I mean, Ohio State was eight and twelve mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. Uh, I think St. John's was eight and ten in the Big East and got in. Well, hey, so, te- I mean, Texas is 16 and 16. Someone has to fill the spots. So, you know. Texas was snubbed at 16 and 16, didn't you know? Yeah. We'll keep saying that. Let's let's say God. that at least five more times Awful. on this podcast. we got to meet a quota. Yeah. Texas snubbed 16 and 16. And it's not even Tom Herman leading the charge. It's no. Shaka, Shaka Smart. Shaka Khan. And then there are, other, there are other folks down there in DFW. But here's the thing that kind of terrifies me the most about Ole Miss. Because... There are some pretty good teams in the SEC. Yeah. Kentucky, you've got Tennessee, you've got Auburn, which is no slouch. And they they lose to Tennessee, they lose to Arkansas, they lose to Kentucky by a combined seven points. And yeah. they're they're twenty and twelve. They could easily be, you know, twenty two and ten. They could be twenty three and nine. And just because of some luck that didn't go their way. They could have been like a five seed or and a getting swept by Alabama. That yeah, didn't help. That, that didn't help. But... And they they lost to Bama in the SEC championship bracket too. They lost to Bama by five. But man, they they really it's just concerning to me that they're playing these really really tough teams, really pretty competitively. And yeah. Oklahoma early on they played Texas Tech tough. They played Kansas tough both times. They beat mm-hmm. them once. But if you look at the other times they played teams that were relatively tough. And completely smashed. Yeah, that Baylor game was the one that stands oh out. Goodness. The one in Norman that was a. Uh, there's a pretty big list of games for this OU basketball team that just you think that that's rock bottom. Mm-hmm. That was one that really felt like it. Then you have the West Virginia losses. Then you have you know that. Uh, I'm trying to think. There there were a lot, but uh, the, both of the Kansas State games were oh pretty rough. Gosh. I mean. Granted, that's not a great matchup for OU, but which is why I would be very worried about Virginia if mm-hmm. uh, Oklahoma made it in because that's a similar style of play. Yep. I think they would absolutely suffocate OU if they beat Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, that's I would say, you know, they're fourth in the pecking order of the one seeds, but they're probably the worst matchup for OU. If yeah, OU I would agree with that. By. And so, they've also played two Big Twelve teams. They went one and one. They beat Baylor, which beat the hell out of OU. Yeah. And Granted, lost, Baylor early in the season was they, not 
yeah, that's good. Great. They, they that's sort correct. of turned it on in conference play, but still a good win. And, the, and I remember because Oklahoma was facing Baylor, and people were saying, yeah, uh, Baylor's not that great. And then all of a sudden, that was after OU had just beaten down Vanderbilt by, like, what, 30 points? And then OU gets absolutely boat raced by the Bears. So And then, but the the Ole Miss, they, they lost to Iowa State, which yeah. many people would expect after seeing like, what uh, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss, Yeah, Iowa State killed them in, uh, in Oxford. In yeah. the, I guess it was the SEC Challenge or whatever. So Ole Miss is led by a few guards, Brian Tyree, Terrence Davis. They lead that team in literally everything except steals and blocks, which is surprising to me that if they're a guard-heavy team, that one of these two guys aren't leading them in steals. It makes sense with the whole blocks thing. But I think Terrence Davis leads them in rebounds yeah he does and that's just that's odd to me but at the same time the modern basketball modern nba that's really how it is in oklahoma they seem to be top heavy it's i mean if you look at stats it's going to be like man christian james is oklahoma's true playmaker he leads a team like 15 points it's a been game. about two months since that's truly yeah. been the case for oklahoma it's it ha- oh my gosh it's, it needs to be the case for oklahoma yes. but it's not <laughs> like it feels like Christian James was that player at the very beginning of the season. He just around late January is when he begins to get in his own head every year, and it, I just it's, don't it's, get it. Yeah, and it's I mean, throughout this year and in the end of last year, I mean, he he you know he gets in his own head with his shot, but I mean at least he's still busting his ass. But I mean, it, so that's encouraging. He's not holding his head down like he was as a sophomore, but right, he yeah, just uh the pump fakes, the second guessing, you know, it's. Passing when he's wide open, stuff mm-hmm. like that. He just, yeah. It's unfortunate because he seems like a good kid, but uh, that's sort of going to be his legacy at Oklahoma. Yeah, that sucks because you always hear about before the season and preseason, you say, man, in a closed workouts against Oregon or so-and-so, Christian James dropped 30 points. Like, And then whoa. he does that in the early season that's games, great. too. Yeah, I he mean, did. He was fantastic in... Uh, in November and December this year. He was then, great in the Battle for Atlantis and stuff yeah, like that. He was the guy that they leaned on a lot. Absolutely. And there was no, almost no Jamal B. Enemy. And yeah. there was a lot of Aaron Calixti. And now there's not much Aaron Calixti. You are on, on almost non-existent if you're Christian. Because at one point, Christian James led the team in rebounds and yeah. points. And now it's just straight up Christian Doolittle, yeah. Jamal B. Enemy, just go. And really, Oklahoma, they don't have a true big man and. As we're gonna talk about or a later, healthy one at least. But yeah, yeah, they have you know they have Brady Manick, Christian Doodle, Jamani McNeese is hobbled. Yeah, recent reports say what he's questionable. Yeah, questionable. I, if you had to give an over under, I'd say he plays. You know, over under would probably be about twelve minutes. I would say just because he's a senior, he's not gonna. I, think I, I don't gonna think he's gonna be able to play too many minutes, but uh, he'll give it a go. I would think. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's because he's a senior. It's his last go around. He'll yeah. tape it up and see what he can do. Not that he'll be that effective. Um, just for notes' sake, I, I'm glad Matt Freeman's graduating. Or where? Well, yeah, on. technically not. He technically has one more season of eligibility, but he did go through the senior the day senior day stuff. So. so Kruger said that you know he's still undecided. So he it could go either way. No, but just, I just mean, just it's leave. a. Yeah, I, I, it's a pretty good indication of what's to come, I think. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, he's just, man. I don't think he's, I don't think he dove for a loose ball at any point in his career at OU. I don't think he just dove, dives for loose balls anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, because you think at, you, you look at Matt Freeman, you look at 
Brady Manick, you look at all the other bigs, and a lot of them have a lot of things in common, specifically that they go down to the post occasionally. This dude just straight up just shoots threes as yeah. like a six foot nine guy. Yeah. I that drives me insane. It's like playing pickup with a guy that's like six foot eight or bigger than everybody else, and the guy just sits back and shoots threes and sets no screens. Yep. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but he's from New Zealand, so maybe that's the style of basketball they play down there, even though Steven Adams is completely different. But let's just talk about this game. What do you expect to see this Friday from the Sooners, and what do you expect maybe Ole Miss to do? Hard to say what you expect to right, see from this right. OU team, but uh, you know it's kind of a bad on bad matchup as far as <laughs> rebounding is concerned. You know, it's I, uh, I mean OU allowed 16 offensive rebounds against West Virginia. Granted, that's West Virginia's bread and butter. They're mm-hmm. one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country, mm-hmm. but it's not like that was an isolated incident. Right. So. Uh, it, it, it'll come down to the rebounding battle, probably. I mean, it'll come down to a perimeter defense with OU. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I I couldn't give you... I'll, I'll, I will bullshit my way through a score prediction later in this podcast, but, I mean, I'm not entirely sure what we're going to see from this OU team. You might see a flat effort. Yep. Because the effort's been inconsistent all year. Mm-hmm. So, but they might come out firing. They might... uh want to go out with a bang or something like that. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I think... Your guess is as good as mine. We'll see Christian Doolittle handle the ball a lot, along with Jamal Enemy. I think you'll see a lot of pin downs and down screens. I think they'll try to get Brady Manic open as much at the top of the perimeter as possible. But at the same time, I think you're going to see a lot of Aaron Kalixty and Miles Reynolds. I think they're... I think you're going to see a lot of turnovers from Miles Reynolds because yeah. I think he's very excited to be in the yeah. tournament for the first time in his life. Also, he's not that careful with the ball when he's he has not. it anyway. I mean, he's 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 a good energy guy, but as far as skill is concerned, he's mm-hmm. a little lacking. But yeah. he's he's been a good addition. I mean, as far as you know, depth is concerned, they really needed someone, and he uh, he definitely provided a lot of energy early in the year, and he plays good defense. Yeah. So, and I think anytime Aaron Kalixty gets the ball in his hands, he's gonna shoot that shit yeah <laughs> like 100 percent. like not that I, he I like already, aaron not that he already doesn't of, but yeah i mean he's you know i like yeah. his hair he, he's not a distributor yeah he's got good hair oh yeah yeah great hair but we had zach berry from red cup rebellion from their sb nation affiliate on to talk about what old miss does so here's this clip all right today we are joined with a special guest from the Red Cup Rebellion from Ole Miss SB Nation affiliate, Zach Barry. Zach, it's good to have you on the podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So today, we're just going to talk about, since Oklahoma's going to match up with Ole Miss in South Carolina this Friday, we're just going to give you, ask you a couple questions, see what you think, and then just uh, ask you how much you hate LSU. Sound good? <laughs> Perfect. All right, so... Something that me and Jack really noticed was Ole Miss has defeated some pretty quality teams, and they've even come close to some close losses to very quality teams that would be high seeds, but they've also been super inconsistent. One particular has Ole Miss really struggled with when they're being inconsistent or haven't been, haven't been playing that well. You know, it, it was a it was a fun season. I think um, 
that gets lost in the last month or so with uh, some frustrating losses down the stretch and then um, an early exit in the SEC tournament. But uh, the reality is this team was picked last in the conference and now they're an eight seed. It's pretty crazy if you think about it. Uh, Kermit Davis in his first year does a hell of a job and it's going to be exciting in the coming years to see what he's going to do with quote unquote, his own players, um, you know, finding his type of guys. But, um, and that's no disrespect to the roster that's there now, but I mean, he, he, he's got to find the right skill set in a player to cater to his system. And I think this season um, was indicative of kind of what to expect. Um, We saw that in spurts. Um, high intensity on defense and then getting out in transition and, um, you know, just running and, and trying to get transition baskets um, and then just the offense going through guard play. So that was uh, huge this year. Um, I'm sure you guys know about Brian Tyree and Terrence Davis, those two guys averaging, um, you know, a little, you know, I guess they were hovering around 35 a game combined between the two during the season. So the, the team kind of goes as they go, but uh, there's some other guys that uh, can jump in and, and help as well. But I'm excited for uh, for Friday. It's going to be fun. You know, on the other side, uh, what's been this team's biggest area of, of uh, strength throughout the season? Without, I guess, taking too easy of, a, uh, of an answer here, I would say it's probably the guard play. Um, I, I mentioned the defense. The defense has been... I guess good at times. Uh, Kermit's famous for a one-three-one. Um, he likes to mix up looks on defense and mix up pressures. But at times, I, I think just with the types of players that that are on the roster, uh, the skill set isn't conducive to that type of defense full time yet. So they were caught out of position, um, especially in transition, transition defense. They're one of the worst teams in the country, mm. but the strength that is definitely going to be the guard play. Brian Tyrese is as good as it gets. Um, it was, in my opinion, uh, it was a, it was criminal that he wasn't on the all SEC team, but I mean, the, so I understand it, but I mean, he averaged, you know, 18 a game and then you've got Terrence Davis on the other end. If he, if, if between the ears, if, if he's, if he's locked in, uh, he's he's going to be a handful. Um, so that's 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 the strength, without a doubt, is the guard play. Would you say that one of the weaknesses or maybe strength is half-court offense for Ole Miss? Because you mentioned that they're really good at running and gunning, that defense leads the offense. There's a lot of fast-break points between those two guards. Let's say Oklahoma slows the game down, even though that's not in their favor. But let's say Oklahoma slows the game down. Would that play into Ole Miss's favor or no? You know, I think it's it's been a it, it's there's been a lot of I guess flexibility, if you will. Um, they've had games where they just kind of and Terrence kind of do their thing on offense, and the offense runs through them. And then there's times when they're needing other guys like Devontae Shuler to chip in, and um, guys coming off the bench like KJ Buffin and Blake Henson. Um, they'll they'll do a lot of motion. They'll move the ball. Uh, you're not going to see a ton of offense go through the post. Um, Bruce Stevens, the guy who's going to be at the four, um, sometimes the five, depending on um, if our seven-footer uh, Dominic Olenichik is is in foul trouble or not. 
other than uh, like the honestly the last game I can remember the offense running through Bruce was that SEC tournament loss uh, against Alabama. He was really the only guy that could do anything on offense. But it's gonna be it's, it's gonna go through those three guards: Shuler, Tyree, and and, and Davis. So I, I wouldn't say that they're hindered by half court sets. I think Kermit does a pretty good job drawing things up, and when you've got guards like that who can take it off the bounce, I think you're as dangerous as anybody. Um, so they're they're definitely comfortable in, in half-court sets as well. You know, this team was picked to finish last in the SEC during the preseason. So in which particular areas of the game has this team, I guess, surpassed ex- expectations? Well, I, defensively, for sure. Um, last year, and, and this may not be a, a fair, I guess, analysis, if you will, I think the team kind of quit halfway through the year last year. They they weren't very good, and it I, I think it kind of became, uh, I guess, somewhat common knowledge that Andy Kennedy was on the hot seat or on his way out or maybe resigning, and I think the players kind of knew that, and they just kind of quit. But this year I think they took big steps in terms of really getting after it defensively, and then I, I think Brian Tyree – is just a completely different player this year. Um, he was always, you know, explosive, could could really score, um, but he wasn't an 18 point per game type of guy. And this year, it's just under the just the tutelage of, of of Kermit Davis and then assistant coaches Win Case and Ronnie Hamilton. He's just he's really coming to his own and poised for a huge senior year. So I would say, as a whole, I think that the team defense, even though it's not great, is light years better than they were last year and then I guess individually Brian Tyree I mean he's he's I think he was in the conversation for for SEC player of the year in my opinion at some point you know halfway through the season but um yeah he's just a he's just a completely different uh player and I, I would I would probably bet that if he has a really good game on Friday then Ole Miss has a really good chance of winning all right so besides the fact that Ole Miss has a head coach named Kermit. Outside of uh, Tyree, what do Oklahoma fans really need to know about this team heading into Friday evening when they play the the Rebels? Excuse me. Like I said, you know, Terrence Davis, number three, or um, if he if if he is in it mentally, um, he's a guy that that people rave about athletically and physically. Um, he was a all-state receiver in high school. Um, didn't really have any big-time offers for football, um, but uh, you know he's a guy that's kind of, you know, you could see it in spurts. You know, man, he he could really be something special on the basketball court. You know, it's a guy that you know his whole life he split between football and, and basketball, and you can tell because you know he's not all there. He's not a complete player, and that's not a knock on Terrence, but um, I mean last. Uh, Two years ago in the NIT, uh, we played Syracuse at the Carrier Dome, and he just went off and basically won the game by himself, had 30-plus. Um, if he gets hot from behind the arc, I mean, that's that's who you cannot fail to close out on Terrence Davis. If he gets a good look and starts to feel it, I mean, he is going to heat check all night. He's not going to be um, – and, and that's, 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 that goes for the whole team as well. I mean uh, – Devontae Shuler, Brian Tyree, those dudes are going to shoot it. Um, Blake Henson, uh, one of our uh, small forwards, number zero, uh, true freshman. He's going to be a good one. 
Um, but he's, um, you know, kind of hit that wall, I guess, if you will, that freshmen usually hit late in the season where, um, you know, he had a huge game on the road for us earlier this season against Mississippi State in a big win, had 20-plus. He could uh, he could heat up from behind the arc. So if, if Oklahoma fans need to know one thing, it's you, you better close out uh, behind the arc because um, that's kind of where Ole Miss really uh, hits their stride offensively is if they start to get confident and get in a rhythm from behind the arc, then uh, it could spell trouble. You know, when Davis is – this is his first season at Ole Miss and in Oxford, it's his first season and he's already brought them to the NCAA tournament and it's just the school's ninth NCAA tournament appearance in school history. So how thrilled is the fan base about this hire at this point and how hopeful are people for the future of Ole Miss basketball? Man, people are pumped. It's been a long time. It's been five, four years since we were in the tournament. Um, made it play in game. Uh, first four in Dayton, we had a ridiculous comeback victory over BYU and then uh, lost a tough one to Xavier. It's a pretty good Xavier team. And um, shout out to uh, Banners on the Parkway, great SB Nation blog over there for uh, for the X Men. But um, yeah, people are people are pumped, man. I mean, we twenty two percent increase in ticket sales and attendance. That's uh, the most in the SEC. We had this brand spanking new arena that's a couple years old, and and people have just been you know chomping at the bit to go to games and get excited about basketball. And um, they're finally there. They had a ton of sellout games this year. Um, had Kentucky on the ropes at home. Had Tennessee on the ropes at home. I mean, one possession games. Could have been two huge wins, and who knows if you know they pull those two wins off what seed they are. But um, yeah, I mean people are people are excited, and I, I think um, when I was an undergrad, it was when Kennedy first got in there, and um, no NCAA tournaments while I was in school, but uh, the excitement was there at the Tap Pack because people just want something to cheer for. Um, you know, Ole Miss is is football rules the roost, you know, athletically. Baseball is a big deal, but um, this year. The excitement and just the the intensity the crowd showed uh, were were something to you know behold. I mean, it was exciting for me to uh, watch on TV and really hear the crowd and, and hear the students. The student sections were always full, so that was fun. So um, that's when you really can tell that you know Kermit's work and the players and everything is is paying dividends when you know students are there packing the student section on a Tuesday night. So that's uh. That was fun to see. So, yeah, I would say it's at an all-time high. It's probably the best it's ever been. You know, I hate to bring this up, but as Oklahomans, we have to ask you about the Bryce Drew buzzer beater, which occurred just a few miles from where we're recording. <laughs> but uh, And I was at that game as a nine-year-old kid, so from my perspective, it's uh, memorable oh, in a good way. But uh, is that basically your school's equivalent of the uh, – Boise State Statue of Liberty play for Oklahoma fans as far as uh, oh. traumatic experiences are concerned? God. Yeah, I. It's, it's certainly for basketball. That's it, without a doubt. Um, Football-wise, I mean, if, if we're talking, since you bring up the Statue of Liberty, it has to be the fourth and 25 against Arkansas. <laughs> um, I mean, that we win that game. Um, we go on to win the SEC West, and go to the SEC championship game, which we've still never been to, and um, get rematch against Florida. And at that time, Will Greer was, you know, pop for steroids, so he was no longer the quarterback. And at that point in the season, Chad Kelly was just on fire, and there was nobody that was probably going to stop that offense. So 
have a chance to win an SEC title. So that's definitely the moment for football. But yeah, basketball, the Bryce Drew thing is just, ugh. I mean, you, you bring that up around Ole Miss fans and, and you're liable to get punched in the ear. Well, thank you for not punching us in the ear. <laughs> no, no problem. Before we go on to some more basketball takes, you did mention football, so I'm going to ask. Okay. How do you feel about Hugh Freeze and, like, the way it looked that, like, wow, Ole Miss is pulling in, like, the top recruits in the country all of a sudden, and Hugh Freeze is, like, praising Jesus and then saying they're not spending a lot of money? What are Ole Miss's uh, viewpoints and perspectives on Hugh Freeze me, I, I'm not going to speak for the entire fan base. Me personally, I couldn't. I don't care for the guy. Um, I, it's pretty apparent that he sold sold us out to save his own ass and uh, sold out some of his assistants. And I just don't think that he handled it. He handled it well. And I'll kind of leave it at that. I don't want to say too many bad words on the show but you can say all um, the bad words yeah, you want you can. it's true we don't give a fuck i keep on thinking yeah. about laramie tunsil and the bong he had on national television that was great that was pretty cool. yeah that Robert was Dice jumping out of a hotel room window to save Atlanta. kids right yeah exactly and then he wasn't saving kids no he wasn't no it wasn't <laughs> yeah that was pretty great i was actually getting into a uh into an uber on the way to a bar to watch the draft when the laramie tunsil thing happened so I was in the backseat of a car, you know, kind of talking with the guys over at the site. We were like, what are we going to do with this? Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, if we're going back to, you know, and I'll go on like a mini rant here. I promise it won't be too long. But the the paying players thing was was a little overblown. I think the the class that kind of started it all, at this point, there's enough people that know far more than I do um, that are basically on record saying that Kim Dietschy came to Ole Miss because of his brother. So it, it's kind of funny that Ole Miss fans can can actually thank Houston Nutt for that. Houston Nutt mm-hmm. recruited Denzel, signed him, and uh, that was the reason why Robert went to Ole Miss. I mean, there have been people that have gone as far to say that if Denzel had gone to Memphis, that Robert would have gone to Memphis. Mm-hmm. They wanted to play together. The mom wanted to play together. The dad wanted them to play together. Um, so they had a lot of natural tie-ins for that class that really made it what it was. I mean, the Laramie Tunsil um, recruitment is, is, is pretty nuts. I mean, I think Georgia had the early lead and probably held it for most of his recruitment, but then he always spoke about Ole Miss in interviews and Chris Kiffin just flat out out recruited Mark Rick and, and the rest of that staff at Georgia. And, and he just wanted to go to Ole Miss. I mean, his mom was adamant about, she liked Oxford. It was a small town. She thought that that would be key in keeping him out of trouble. And I think he just really liked Matt Luke, who was at the time the O-line coach, and then Chris Kiffin just busts his butt. Honestly, the really only upset out of that recruiting class, and I hate to bring it full circle here, was Laquan Treadwell. I think a lot of people thought he was going to Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. And uh, Wesley McGriff, who was the defensive coordinator last year and is now at all, uh, did the same thing, just kind of busted his tail and, and was able to um, – you know, win that recruitment. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that, that there may not have been any, uh, any hands, uh, you know, any, any handshakes with, you know, maybe some, some currency, but I mean, that was kind of the, the big ones. And then Tony Connor, a five-star from, from down the road in Batesville 
he doesn't get a lot of credit for being in that class, but he was probably going to be a first-round pick before he tore his knee. Um, so that was just a humongous class that had some natural tie-ins there, and um, you know that the people just kind of jumped to conclusions with the whole pay-for-play jokes. And you know, to this day, I mean, Ole Miss really hasn't been busted for any humongous pay-for-play. I mean, they're certainly not funneling money through a hospital like LSU. <laughs> So, all right, let's get back to basketball. What's your favorite? <laughs> and back right. to happy thoughts. Yeah, happy thoughts too. Yeah, yeah. Is always I cool. got, I got, I got, I got heated up there a little bit. What is your favorite memory of the Running Rebels in their basketball team? Not Running Rebels. Oh, they're they're, yeah, they're not. The, they're just the Rebels. That's right, UNLV. That's a good <laughs> basketball team. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess you just in general, just like a favorite memory of of, of any basketball team. Uh, Ole Miss basketball. You know, there's there's two that really come to mind. Um, one, when I was in school, um, I do remember I, I was at the game, and it was actually we keep coming back to LSU, uh, playing LSU at home. Uh, this was when they had uh, Big Baby uh, Glenn Davis. Um, you know, John Brady had a really good team that year. Uh, went linked to the court uh, three in the corner to tie it. Um, fun fact: one of the uh, players that made the key pass. Um, at half court was uh, Brian Smith, Tubby Smith's son. Um, but uh, just a excellent execution of a play, just a you know heave to half court, handoff pass, and then one more to the corner. Um, and it was uh, Clarence Sanders that hit the three. I was there. It was it was insane. We tried to storm the court, but security wouldn't let us. Um, the other one, more recently, 2013, went in the SEC tournament. That was a crazy. Uh, that was just a crazy run. They went from, you know, being on the bubble pretty hard to, to winning, you know, four games in four days. And uh, Marshall Henderson and those guys, I mean, that was a just a fun team to watch. And um, I was living in New York at the time and uh, got to enjoy that game with, uh, with a fellow alum, a former uh, Ole Miss baseball player, actually. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a good time to, uh, to drink at, you know, 12 o'clock and – and, and watch Ole Miss win a uh, SEC uh, tournament title. What is Ole Miss going to have to do to win this game on Friday? Honestly, I think they're going to have to rebound well, and that's one of their one of their biggest weaknesses. So it doesn't bode well from the jump here. We're when also I'm talking about rebounding, yeah. so there's that. <laughs> yep. This is going to be a slap fight. Yeah, I, for me, it's just limiting second chance opportunities um Ole Miss is is limited in size down low they do have a seven footer but he's not super athletic he's not you know a big time rim protector um the rest of the guys are is just he European oh yes he is he's from Poland makes sense oh we have isn't Hannes from no, Poland? Hannes is from uh, Finland same thing it ends in land okay yeah basically same thing <laughs> yeah Dominique Olenicek um He's a uh, transfer from Drake. He's in his third year in the program. Um, you know, just to, you know, plays hard, but just he's not going to wow you offensively or or do anything crazy on the defensive end. He's you know he's a guy that's you know going to get his you know six and five maybe. Um, you know, he's got basically just the one little baby hook that he does, and and that's that. But Ole Miss just has to do a, a good job of, of limiting second chance opportunities. That's when they get into trouble. Is when they just they get out rebounded and they just they get tired, um, and and that's that's been the the one bugaboo this year. And I think also 
they just really need to get out and run and transition. Um, I think that they're at their best when they force turnovers uh, at the top with the guards. Um, the, the three that I've mentioned earlier in the show, they're, they're very active on defense and, and they can, you know, cause teams fits. And uh, if they force turnovers and they can uh, hit a couple threes here and there, I think that that'll be the key to, to winning. But, yeah, they, they've got and, – and, and getting out in transition is one way to combat, you know, you guys slowing the game down, which y'all do so well with, with Lon Kruger and, and the half-court sets and, and really being sound defensively. I think they're going to have to take care of the basketball and, and, and maximize their opportunities. I definitely feel like you just described what it's going to take for Oklahoma to win the game as well. Sounds like a, like a mirror almost situation going on. But let's just talk about the score. Do you feel confident? And if you do feel confident, maybe if you don't, I'm still going to ask you what you think the <laughs> score is Friday night. I'm, I'm anxious to see us play. I think I'll know. Well, I was going to say, I think I'll know if we win or lose in the first eight minutes, but we have had some games where, man, the first half, I'm just like, there is no way that we are going to be in this game. And we've, you know, had some shockers, but I think they're going to really have to get after it on the boards, and they really need the guards to play well. Last game against Alabama, uh, Brian Tyree and Terrence Davis, um, I can't remember the specific shooting, what they were from the field, but it was just abysmal. They were terrible. I think they had like 13 combined points. This is a duo that averages close to 35 it was bad. So they're that they can that cannot happen. If that happens, Oklahoma will run them out the building. Um, if we're talking score, um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it'll be something like 69, 61, 69, nice, 62, nice, something yeah, like that. Very nice. I think it'll be low scoring. Like I said, Kruger and, and you guys really like to slow things down. And um, I don't think that that'll really give us trouble. I think it'll just, like I said, they're just going to have to maximize opportunities. Um, unless we can rebound well and get out in transition and score, um, I think it's going to be a slow, methodical game, and they're going to have to uh, be efficient. Now, does Ole Miss, do they play strictly man-to-man, or do they slip into zones sometimes? It it depends. Kermit kind of... Sh- We'll, we'll change things I'm up. Sorry, depending every on time the you game. say Kermit, I think of the frog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sipping that motherfucking tea, man. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he uh, primarily man, but they'll mix in some two three, and then like I said earlier, that that he loves the one three one. They really mix things up, and they'll meet you at half court and 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 get in your chest with that. And I think uh, depending on how foul situations are and and things like that, I mean, he really likes uh, another true freshman, KJ Buffin. He's really long, 6'5", athletic guy. He puts him at the top of that one three one, and it can really get into some passing lanes and disrupt a guard as he brings the ball up. So they'll mix it up, and I think it'll, you know, it'll kind of be dictated by, um, I think, how you guys come out offensively. Uh, to be honest, I think it'll, um, it'll be something where, you know, if 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 they're struggling offensively, I think he'll do it to. Uh, maybe try to create some turnovers, um, that sort of thing. I think it'll also be, uh, you know, 
to not, you know, whether or not you guys are, you know, shooting well. Um, I think that it's going to be, it's, it's going to be something that he'll decide on the fly. I, you know, whether or not, you know, if, if, if Christian James is, is really shooting it well, I think that, um, don't worry about it. <laughs> it oh, might be worry. a two. He, he'll shoot a three, but it'll actually be a two. Yeah. He'll have his foot on the line. <laughs> no, you will lose. I mean, I mean, you've got him and, and, you know, Brady Manick. Those are the two guys that lead the team in scoring. Um, and then also you've got Doolittle. I think it, depending on if if they're not shooting it well, um, if it's the man defense that's causing them to not shoot it well, then they'll stay in it. Um, so Kermit does like to mix it up, but I think you'll see more of, more of the 1-3-1 one, one and the 2-3. All right, so... Oxford is the most college town, college town of all, quite possibly. I've driven through there. Very cool. What's your favorite bar in Oxford? You know, I think it's probably... This is a tough one. There's a lot of good bars. I I think one of the newer ones that I'm a huge fan of is called The Coop. Um, It's at the top of the Graduate Hotel in town. Uh, rooftop bar when the when the weather's great uh there's nothing better they have great cocktails they have a really good bourbon selection um and i'm not ashamed to say that their uh frosé machine is uh pretty clutch when it's hot outside and, uh, hey I'm a not... rosé and especially a frozen rosé is that what you mean i assume but uh yeah, yeah that sounds yeah, that's amazing it. on a hot day i'm not ashamed to admit that. oh yeah it sounds fantastic yeah it's delicious um yeah that's a that's a really cool spot um, if we're if we're talking, you know, I, I guess another good cocktail bar. It's not on the square, but um, I would say uh, Snack Bar is a fantastic uh, cocktail bar. They have uh, a nice rotating menu of really nice, um, you know, cocktails. They they do the they do the classics. They do the old fashions and things like that. But they'll they'll do a lot of work with a lot of mint, a lot of ginger, and uh, they'll mix it up with with gin and rum, and, and they'll obviously do bourbon. Um, but if you really want, I guess the quintessential Oxford experience um, upstairs at City Groceries is, is is pretty nice. It's it's almost a you don't see a lot of dive bars that are on the second floor. Um, I feel like dive bars are usually you know basement garden level type spots, but um, it's a, it's a good, it's a good place to, uh, sit on the patio. And then also they have, a they always have good music and the bartenders are, are pretty good. And I always like to joke and say they serve a mean vodka water. <laughs> so, I mean, you're in the stadium, probably playing LSU. These are the most obnoxious fans in the world. Presumably they are. What do you hate most about LSU fans? Just besides the fact they're from Baton Rouge, you know, I, it's it's funny. I, I most uh, most Ole Miss fans will claim that LSU is their biggest rival. Um, I think it's a generational thing, and then it's also a geographic thing. Me, uh, I grew up in in Memphis, and you know Oxford's ninety miles south of there. Um, being that, uh, I guess, in that part of the country, uh, for me, I grew up. You know, Mississippi State was always the number one rival. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think older Ole Miss fans 
Um, I think the rivalry between LSU and Ole Miss was bigger back then. I mean, I think it wasn't as lopsided. Um, we've gotten some wins here recently, but they had a nice run with Nick Saban and Les Miles um, where we didn't win a lot of games. So for me, that was that was probably um, kind of where I sit. But if, if I'm going to answer the question, the one thing that I cannot stand, I hate about LSU because, you know, to be frank, I mean, I respect them as a as a football program. Um, you can be obnoxious and terrible if you win, in my opinion. Um, not necessarily, you know, to the point where you're, you know, berating people and, you know, being abusive verbally. Um, there, there's a line that can be drawn. But, you know, if you're going to talk shit and, and you're going to be boisterous, if you've won national championships and you've won SEC championships, that's fine. Um, but if you're like Tennessee and you haven't, been worth the fuck since 98 i mean come on get out of here so the one thing i will tell you that i hate about lsu i cannot stand them in baseball season i hate them during baseball season because they they brag about how great their stadium is and how they they always sell out their their stadium the alex box is always it's, it's never not sold out and they, they just make such a big deal and, and they are equally well i'd say they're better in baseball um a national powerhouse and um, Ole Miss has not won a weekend series in Baton Rouge since I think '85. So, yes, if it's if so it's, it's LSU, I, yeah. So I fucking hate them during baseball season. All I right. will say I, I do respect them. I, I wish they would play neck more when they yeah, play yeah, neck in the stadium. You, you you can't beat that. No, you. Can't. I was actually the first time I experienced that. I, my, I guess post grad, maybe year one out of out of college, me and a buddy split season tickets and we were playing LSU and I was right next to their fans when they actually sang along with Neck and that was the first time that I'd really experienced it. And man, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I wish they'd play it more. I wish the school would let them do it. I agree, absolutely. Um one final thing. Can you eloquently describe the Grove for Oklahoma fans who have not been there? Who? Um, the one thing I, I think that's funny and overblown is is people always joke about the the chandeliers and and you know you're not going to find that in every tent. Um, people will dress up. You know, the students will will wear their 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 Sunday best. They'll wear their finest. The girls will wear sundresses and. Um, you know, you can always tell who, are, who the freshmen are because, um, the girls will wear heels and, you know, by the end of the day, they'll be walking around barefooted cause their feet will be killing them. And then you can always tell with, uh, with the guys cause they're in sport coats and they're pledging and they're having to go save seats and set up tents. And they're just, you know, on the verge of, of, of a heat stroke in that blazer in September. Um, no, honestly, to, to, to kind of you know, get serious here for a second. Um, I think the best thing about the Grove is, is just the, the camaraderie. I mean, the people are willing to, to just welcome you into their tent, no matter where you're from, no matter who you are. Um, if you've got some manners and, you know, Hey, ask nicely, they'll invite you in. They'll Hey, grab a plate, grab a cup, get you a drink, get you a beer, whatever. Um, so I guess eloquently, I mean, it's, it's, it's like going to, you know, eat at grandma's house, but you're, you know, you're at, you're at your friend's grandma's house, you know? Um, so honestly, if you, if you, if you behave yourself, uh, you'll never meet a stranger in the Grove. That's on the bucket list for sure. Get it done, Josie. We need to schedule a home and home there for sure. Needs to happen. 
Would Oklahoma I, I, fans I'm all be for as inviting? Would we be as inviting to yeah. Ole Miss fans? Yeah. We're pretty nice, I think. As long as you're not OSU or Texas, we're usually pretty cool with people, I feel like. I'd say that's about accurate, yeah. That's yeah. Good, yeah. OSU fans think we're the worst people on earth. But yeah, we are. <laughs> everyone else thinks we're wonderful. Just not them. That's a weird that's a weird fan base, man. We yeah. played them in bowl we played them in bowl games a couple times. That's a that's a weird group. Yeah, they wave they weed. It, yeah. it, it's it's stupid. Yeah, it, no. it's don't just yeah, <laughs> just disregard them. Bunch of weirdos up there. That's pretty interesting. But that's all the questions we have I have for you. Uh, I think I'm good. You've pretty we've pretty much covered everything, so yeah, so well, this Friday at 11:40 a.m. on True TV. So if you watch Impractical Jokers, the one with the Jokers, prankers, yeah, yeah, or the Carbonaro, whatever. If you like the Impractical Jokers and the Carbonaro Cops. effect <laughs> and basketball, that there is the go, day yeah. to watch it. Ole Miss is actually a two-point favorites, but thanks for coming on, Zach. Yeah, guys, and hey, I'd be willing to do the home and home now that that Baker and Kyler are gone. Um, <laughs> hey, you're, there's no. It doesn't stop. It, it no. doesn't stop. We got Spencer no Radler coming yeah. in. Uh, I was gonna say, the the, hey, do you have any quarterbacks in the roster that are thinking about transferring? <laughs> uh, not that I know of. We did just sign three in this last signing class, so maybe, wow. but they won't be as good as Spencer Rattler, though. All right. Well, that's Zach Berry, Red Cup Rebellion. Thanks for coming on, brother. Thanks, guys. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. All right. So we heard what Zach said, the Ole Miss, about the Grove, about how much he hates LSU, especially the baseball team. But we also heard a score prediction. What do you think is going to happen this Friday? Give me a score. He said, what was it, 69-61 or 69-62 or something like that? I think that. it's 69-61. I'm going to keep with this nice theme, and I'm going to say I'm gonna say 69-65 Ole Miss. Nice. Ole Miss would nice. win. You know, I'm going to say the game will be more high scoring. Give me, and you can quote it, 82-71 to 71 Oklahoma. Okay. Christian Doolittle's going to score 24 points. I like your attitude. I mean, at the same time, like I can just go look at Christian James' press conference and is like, yeah, we need to play better. <laughs> it's like, what? That's not the attitude I want no, heading no. into the NCAA terms. Like, yeah, we're not going to be one and done, but man, we got to play better. It's like, oh, okay. Don't get you too off the line. Maybe it might advance. <laughs> but yeah. Let's just talk about Oklahoma basketball in general. I don't remember what seed they were last year. Ten. They were 10? Yeah. All right. Does this team, are you more satisfied with this team at a nine than you were last year's team with Trey Young in a 10? Kind of by default. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, you know, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that OU would go 19 and 13 and get a nine seed. I would have been thrilled because I didn't think this team was going to make the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. This is a stopgap year. You had to bring in two grad transfers. You lost Trey Young before you 
kind of planned on losing Trey Young. Mm-hmm. Most people thought he was going to be a two-year guy, probably. And yep. then the Trey Young show happened, and that whole thing snowballed, and it turned into infighting and all that stuff. It yep. became a big thing. And then, uh, you know, but everything that's happened since then, you know, obviously December and November were fantastic. Mm-hmm. We still had a lot of hope uh, halfway through January and into late January. But then you saw the inconsistent effort or even rare effort down the stretch and uh, saw the lack of cohesion, the lack of leadership. And that's really disappointing coming from what is on paper the most experienced high major team in the country. So... It's kind of a complicated question. In general, I'm fine with it. I think Lon and this staff did not do as well as they should have developing this current wave of players, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm sort of excited to see what he does with this new crop that's coming in next year, which is really promising. Do you think he's going to get the opportunity? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. But, um, yeah, I, I think he gets, you know, two to four more years till he rides off into the sunset. He's going to get to leave on his own terms. Okay. I think. But, uh, and I don't know what happens after that. I, I mean, how, how old is Kevin Kruger? I don't know. They, he's he's it's, pretty it's, young. It's I real mean, weird looking at him. Yeah, though. Like, yeah. It's like young and old. Like one time they shared a water bottle and I was like, that's kind of weird. I don't share water bottles with my dad, but maybe <laughs> that's just the way they're. Yeah. Like, and like, it wasn't like fountain. Like he didn't just like fountain it. Yeah. He just straight like lips to lips on the water bottles. Interesting. It's real weird, man. That is weird. Yeah. Yeah. So so basically, what you've just told me is that Kevin Kruger is going to be the next head coach at Oklahoma. He is by DNA yep. default. Yeah. Lips so. in the bottle. Well, there you go. We're getting down to the big problems right here. <laughs> I really, so I really hope he's not going to be the next head coach. I, I yeah I, I I don't I don't know who I'm trying to think of. We want to talk about like nepotism. Oh in God! The yeah, program. I mean, yeah, that's I, that's the last thing. That, I'd rather have Freddy Krueger than Kevin. Krueger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think they're related, so that would work. I don't know. Throw one of them in a fire, see what happens. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but like, I feel it's like, oh my gosh, last year's team. I was praying. I was like, please, do not let this Oklahoma team make the NCAA tournament. I don't want to watch any more of them. Just let OSU in. They're actually better right now. They were much they, better. They at the deserved end of the year. it, and 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 then if if Oklahoma does make it, you know Oklahoma State's not going to make it. Yeah, and that's just going to make life hell for all of us, just because we we all know that Oklahoma State's a better team than it OU was hilarious is. though. And then it happened. And I was like, oh, damn it! Like, come on. The memes were great. It was it was pretty good. It was worth it for the memes. But, but so like the last year, I was like, please end it. I don't want to watch anymore. Yeah. But this year, I'm like, okay, I'm interested. Like they finally figured out Christian Doolittle is their best player. Yeah. Took and them long enough. Took them about 20 games out of a 32 game season. And they said, oh, wow, we can just like dump this ball into somebody in, in the mid post and he can go get us a bucket like yeah. three out of five times. Hell, let's do that. Yeah. And they, after this is after they shuffled their lineup. Oh my gosh. What was their starting lineup this year? It was Calixty, Miles Reynolds, somebody at the three. Was it Doolittle? And it, then they it, played it, Manic. It, and the beginning of the year, it was Calixti, uh, Christian James, uh, Doolittle at the three, Manic at the four, McNeese at the five. And McNeese getting hurt, obviously, right. impacted all of that. But. And now it's like completely different. You've got Jamal Bienemy, 
you still have Christian James who's stuck to his spot. You've got Rashard Odoms who just plays really tough defense and yeah. dunks. Gets to the hole a little bit. I mean, yeah, he doesn't finish that well all the time, and he can't. He he's gotten better with free throws. Yeah. I will give him that. I agree. He like beginning of the year he was like thirty nine percent at mm-hmm. one point. And now he's. I don't know what his percentage is right now, but he's hitting them more often than not. Yeah, which is that's that's encouraging. It looks like he kind of tweaked his shot a little bit. He so did. credit to him for that. So I mean, I'm more excited about this team this year round. But why did it take Oklahoma so long to figure out? Hey, Christian Doolittle, our best player. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I get. I mean, I mean, because at the beginning of the year, Christian James was so good. Yeah, so. he was. I mean, and Doolittle even admitted that he set himself back for the dumb things he was doing early on in his career. Yeah. And um, I'm now blink- he has the confidence. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that was part of it. So, I'm blinking on the guy that disappeared from Oklahoma and he was good. The He didn't disappear, he transferred. Oh, uh, the Kevin oh, Durant wannabe. Yeah, Cam Augusty. Yeah. He had nine assists last season. Like that tells you everything. I felt like he could have been pretty good. But oh, at the he's same time, he's a talented guy for sure. At the same time, I, his attitude was yeah, no bueno. No, not him, a very him and Trey attitude. Yeah, him <laughs> and Trey did not mesh well. They did not. And uh, there were issues down the stretch last season. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's I don't think that's something that people don't already know. Yeah, I think. And even if they didn't know it, they assumed it. It was yeah. pretty easy to read. Like that. the locker room was kind of toxic by the end of the year and they did everything they could to appease Magusty, even putting him in back in the starting yeah, lineup towards the end of the year and yeah. it still still didn't fit still didn't work and so this team for next year has a chance to be pretty talented like Lon's most talented group as far as the stars are concerned as far as rivals is concerned you look at Jamal Bienemy, Brady Manning, Christian Doolittle, Kirkwath, uh, Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves is going to... People are going to love that guy. He's just going to light up the three-pointers. People are going to love Harmon as well. Harmon is a, the next star at this school. I mean, who... I'm trying to think... Uh, he's a smaller point guard. He is smaller, yeah. Like, you got Jamal Bienemy. He's, what, like, what, 6'3", 6'2"? Yeah, 6'3", 6'4". I mean, long, though. He's, and then Devian Harmon's, like, 5'9". Yeah, I think listed at like 5'10", 5'11", but probably 5'9". He's like yeah. a little water bug. Yeah, I, I, I'm i guessing for the starting lineup, you'd move the enemy off the ball, I assume. Mm-hmm. But uh, You could do that. I mean, I'm sure Kruger will tinker with it, but uh, he always tinkers with his lineup. So I bet we'll see, uh, with so many new players, I'm guessing we're going to see... It's going to be a lot of youth. Seven different combinations of starting lineups yeah. early in the season. It's going to be a lot of youth. I mean, and then besides Debian Harmon, Victor... I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to do it. Big Vic, Iwakor, Iwakor. It's probably Iwakor to be honest. We'll learn. And then Mr. Basketball from Nevada, Jalen Hill. Yeah, I like him. Really and, long and athletic. Yeah, and that's that's been a theme with Oklahoma on the wings that they're gonna have. They're gonna be very talented. Yeah, very talented. I think. Yeah, very young. Yeah, there's gonna be, yeah a lot of length and athleticism in this incoming group. The JUCO guys mm-hmm. as well, uh, Londis Williams and Corbin Merritt. Yep. Both very athletic, both very bouncy, and all their you know long arms and stuff like that. So it's going to be, I think defensively this team could be pretty good, but this is definitely a team that's going to run a lot more than this year, and that's I think that's going to put some asses in the seats too. That's what I hope it's like to see. Yeah, so more asses in the seats than you've seen this year. Obviously, this is more of a slow paced team. What's going to be more likely? Because Oklahoma, although they have tournament potential they're really really young 
lot of Kruger teams, they progress throughout the year. Usually this year, yeah, a little different. Yeah. <laughs> Same uh, as last year. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of like definitely regret. They, they didn't fall apart, but like last year they fell apart. Yeah. This year they're definitely, I mean, through injury, they're kind of just regressing and they're not making shots. And that has to do with that guys getting in their own heads, like Christian James and Brady Manic just missing dunks for some odd reasons. But they're going to be talented but young in a Big 12, which does not care for how young or old you yeah. are. What's more likely? OU makes the tournament, and I'm talking like the big dance, not the NIT that TCU won today, which was not surprising to me. OU makes the tournament next year, or Lon retires after next season, after this batch of recruits comes in. I'd say much more likely that OU makes the tournament, just because I think Lon's going to get more than one year. He's going to get his shot with this wave of players. Do you think Lon wants to coach more than the past next year? Yeah, probably. I mean, I think he wants to prove that he can get this truly back on the right track, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Because and he's going to get that shot, I think. But he's, I mean, he's, no one on earth hates Lon Kruger. So, you know. True. His trash Except talk Except maybe some Kansas State fans yeah. probably don't like him, but that's, oh, that's no, a No, no, Kansas State fans well, love some, him. Well, some do, some don't. I mean, because he left Kansas State after four years as right. a head coach, so... There was a lot of bitterness at that time. Probably a lot of older Kansas State yeah. fans aren't. Well, hell, him, he hasn't beaten Kansas State since he's been in. That's true. So yeah, I'm pretty sure it's. Well, yeah, I think he. I guess he won in Manhattan his first year, but I guess that's the one that he was allowed to win. God, I, it, it's so as it's ago. as if it's in his contract that he's not allowed to win in Manhattan. <laughs> you can beat regular Kansas. Yeah, but by God, you better not beat purple Kansas. Yeah. But yeah, at this point, most Kansas State fans are back to loving Lon Kruger. But there, I talked to John Morse, the Kansas State guy for SB Nation. Bring on the There cats. are a few who are still a little salty. So, Ugh. so those are probably the only people on earth who don't like Lon Kruger. That that small fraction of the Kansas State fan base. See, I'm in the camp that says Lon is more likely to retire than he makes a tournament. <coughs> I mean, I know they're gonna have they're gonna have talent. They're gonna have Bienemy. This is their probably starting lineup next year, realistically. They're probably going to start, I don't know. <coughs> to me, they end up probably starting Biennemi, Austin Reeves, Doolittle. Um, where am I? Oh, I'm missing somebody. No, all right, you're right. Biennemi will probably play the two yeah. off ball. You'll probably have Devin Harmon at the one, which I don't like freshman running point guards that much, but we'll see what happens. They'll tinker with it, yeah. They'll probably go back and forth. And then Doolittle... Uh, Austin reaches the three, Doolittle, and then Manic. But again, I don't see a way that Jalen Hill or Victor Iwak or wherever his name is. Like, I'm sorry, I'm missing. Big Vic. It. We'll call him Big Vic until we figure this out. I don't see how you're going to keep them off the floor. There's no way Hannes Pola is going to be playing. No, absolutely not. I don't know what the end game was with Hannes Pola. I mean, he's using a scholarship. What? I mean, the. I mean, essentially. The best you could possibly get out of Hannes Pola is he becomes a serviceable player by his senior year. Yeah. How is that a worthwhile investment? They needed I, a big. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I guess they did. Yeah, but I, I feel he, like he they free throws at a much higher rate than Jamani. That's so, true. Is that? But let's transition on to some football stuff because I mean Oklahoma is a football state. That's fair to say. Yeah. Alex Grinch. Is not playing any games in these camps. He's not wasting any time in spring ball. He's legitimately focused, laser focused on two things. One is tackling formation, making that play. And the other one is stripping at the ball 
at every chance you get, which we all kind of knew coming into this. There was a quote. They're all about creating turnovers with that yeah. defense, the speed D, disrupting things. In getting guys to the ground. Yeah. And this quote that says, you know, him telling his players, missing a tackle tells me that you don't want to play for me. How do you feel about that in comparison to what you've been seeing from Tim Kish's and Mike Stoops' defense? I mean, maybe they'll actually use their arms to tackle people. And not just, like, yeah. kind of submarine their way, like, you know, like dead fish flopping on a guy and hoping he falls over? Buki better figure some things out or he's not going to play again. I have some, so I have some reserved things about him, like... Norwood is getting nods at Nickelback. Yeah. And that's Buki's kind of place. Yeah. And I don't see Buki unseating Trey Brown. No. I don't see He doesn't Buki, deserve to. I don't see Buki unseating Parnell Motley. No. And he's not going to play at safeties, which are not his natural and position. Grinch and Manning love taller corners, so Buki obviously does not fit that profile. So was he going to play the di- he's going to play the dime package on kickoff? <laughs> I mean, I I I I feel like he's losing his place here. I mean, that that's what it feels like. I could easily see that I could easily see Trey Norwood not working out a nickel and they try Buki out and at nickel and it, and it just goes from there. I could see that happening. Because I mean, I hope so for Buki's sake. I mean, yeah. I, he's you know obviously he has or recruiting from California. He has a lot of upside, so I mean, I want it to work out for him. I mean, because I mean, he he seems to have some decent instincts, but mm-hmm. he's always been. I mean, he was hurt down the stretch last year, I guess. But I mean, I if it doesn't work out for him at nickel, I don't know where it's going to work out for him. And if Norwood truly is ahead of him, then yeah. if he doesn't let up on that spot, you know, we'll see. At the same time, they got to figure out what's going on in safety. Yeah, because <laughs> that's I the think most pressing issue of all. I think one that I want to nail down pretty hard is Delarian Turner Yell. There you go. Is a very real thing that would probably be happening at safety. Mm-hmm. Whoever is opposite of him, whether it be Robert Barnes, uh, Jeremiah Cradell, yeah, like Chance Sylvie's still there. Yeah, he is, and he's big. Yeah, and he could play the nickel. You get Justin Broyles. And you've got um, oh the other kid, oh, oh the other Oklahoma kid, Patrick Fields. Patrick Fields. There's a lot of guys for those spots, and Buki doesn't necessarily match a lot of those spots. And when Robert Barnes went out against Alabama, I thought, oh, this is not going to be good. Patrick Fields comes in, plays just fine, yeah. probably better than Robert Barnes. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see what happens in the secondary. And to me, it feels like Buki's losing his place. To others that I've talked to, they say, no, I think he'll, I think he'll compete for one of the cornerback jobs. He's not going to replace Trey Brown. Motley, I think the coaches love Motley. I, I don't think they're going to give him up on him that, that easily. Yeah. I really want to see Jamal Morris. He's a big dude. You know, kind of as big as Robert Barnes. So. Yeah, Morris and Cradell. Yeah, I think definitely Cradell, yeah. These guys that are coming in with these six foot three, 200 body frames are really going to make some noise. And that's a complete 180 from what they were doing with, what they were trying to do with... Kerry Cooks. Kerry Cooks, which is like, oh, Will Sunderland, he can be a center fielder and just get interceptions with Stephen Parker. And now the guys are suddenly not 170. Now they're like 200, 6'3", yeah. 6'2". Complete shift. Yeah. Where's Cooks at, by the way, again? Tech. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> makes sense. Banished to Lubbock. Makes sense. But while I was podcasting last time, 
I was talking about eyes from Lincoln Riley, and literally during the podcast, they said, oh, it's RJ Proctor. So RJ Proctor is now going to be at OU. He mentions that Virginia, he's played all five positions. Cool. Great. Wonderful. But he wants to play guard, and they said they'll slot him in at guard. What does he do for OU's offense just in general? I mean, obviously, they're not really short on talent along the offensive line, but depth and experience they're lacking in. So bringing in at least one person like him was a must. And I don't know if you've watched his tape from that South Carolina game, the Belk Bowl. Mm -hmm. That was probably his best game at Virginia, and he was phenomenal. You watch that, and you become confident that he can take one of the starting spots along this offensive line. Oh, definitely. I don't know which guy that would be at the expense of, whether that's Robinson or Hayes. Mm -hmm. Who who would you think? Man. That's a tough one. I I want to say it's at the expense of Hayes. I like them both. I mean, I think they're both going to... like Because whoever's left out... This year, if uh, Proctor is a starter, they'll be the starter the next year, yeah. one would think. So yeah. it's not life and death for those guys, but uh, obviously they'd both like to play this year. So, but yeah, they're Arch- both probably, you would think that they're both probably up to speed at this point. You know, it's their third year in the program. They've been learning from Bill Biedenbow and they've been learning from their uh, mentors like Ben Powers and Drew Samia. Right. You, you can't really think of better guys to learn from than those two. So now it's going to be interesting the first. A couple weeks of the season, especially Creed Humphrey's out till the summer. And that's the guy that anchors that offensive line. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But at the same time, it's a good thing you don't have Landry Jones back there, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you're yeah. going to have Jalen Hurts. that Guy who can move. He can move. And he's not he's not the type of agile that Kyler Murray is. He's yeah. going to move, and he's going to run you over. Yep. He, he will run you over before he runs around you. Yeah. He's an incredibly dynamic athlete. Powerlifting champion out of San Antonio. He can move around Big 12 linebackers, and he can run over Big 12 safeties. And that's going to come in handy the first few games of the season. Like, well, who do they play? Like, South Dakota, UCLA, Houston. Houston, yeah. So these are teams that they should be beating regardless of what the yeah. offensive line looks like. And Houston doesn't have Ed Oliver anymore. So there is, that's a good that's Yeah, good exactly. Ed Oliver was a monster and like terrorized goodness. OU. So. so Archer Proctor coming along right next to Creed Humphrey. Is gonna be really good for immediate pressure. Yeah. getting to Jalen Hurts, which probably won't be a thing anyways, because he'll be in shotgun. He'll be rolling a lot. Instant news that came out today regarding a quarterback, though, not Jalen Hurts. He's gonna be fine. Yeah, I, I think Jalen Hurts is gonna complete 67 percent of his passes. And you think he rushes for a thousand yards? I oh, think he does. Hell yeah! Yeah, his first two years in his first two years in college, he the first one he missed it by about forty yards at Alabama. Mm-hmm. And that's because you're up on teams by like yeah, exactly. 30 points. Yeah, it's, Second year, he had like 800-something yards. Here's my follow-up. Does he lead the team in rushing yards? I think there's a chance. I think it's a Just chance. Just because they're, we're going to, I think, you know, Trey and Kennedy Brooks are going to be because the offensive line. Yeah. I think, I'm really hoping they bring back that ponies set with, you have a diamond formation. Ooh. That'd be fun. That would be fun. And so, I think he's going to lead the team in rushing. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more quarterback designs because his body can handle mm-hmm. it. I mean, when's the last quarterback that could handle quarterback runs? Blake Bell, he's a tight end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Trevor Knight was more finesse, and he was literally told not. He was told on a read option not to read. And yeah, that was uh, that was sort of a toxic Heupel, situation. God. I mean, ugh. well, I mean, Heupel partially to blame, and you know, Bob partially in to blame the injury as well. situation yeah. as well. Yeah, but it's just like my goodness, but. 
quarterback news came out today. Tate Martell, who Tathan. I hate a lot. Yeah, yeah oh, he sucks. <laughs> Immediately eligible at Miami, which... Miami's the perfect spot for that kid, too. I hate him so much. Vanilla and, Vice. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like... And with the news that the kid from Georgia becoming eligible at Ohio State immediately. This is like NCAA free agency. They just need to get rid of the waiver process yeah. at this point. All it is is delaying things because they want all of these guys to be eligible. They yeah. know that the public wants all of these guys to be eligible. So they eventually make them eligible. Why not just get rid of the waiver process and let let everyone have one free transfer? I'm not saying that everyone yeah. should just jump around all they want, but I think one free transfer without yeah. losing a... Like Without a, having to sit out, I think that's reasonable. Like the OSSAA. Like, if you transfer once, okay, that's cool. Whatever. That's cool. <laughs> but you transferred maybe two or three times, okay, like, maybe not. Because that happened to uh, that happened to the kid that went to South Warren that committed to OU, a defensive end. I'm trying to think. Oh, my goodness. I'm blanking I'm blanking, too. We're going to have to edit this out. <laughs> no. Well, it'll, it'll, it'll hit our heads. He had dreads. He played it. Southmore. He played at like he. Oh, you sure it was Southmore? Yeah, man. He, he played at DJ Ward. DJ oh, Ward. yeah, yeah. He well, he yeah. It was Lawton. Before he was at, that. He was like yeah, at Lawton. He, and he never to, actually played at Southmore. He did went he? to no, he didn't. Yeah, he went to like Lawton, and then he went to like Doug, Douglas or something like that, and then he transferred to Southmore. And they're like, all right, you gotta sit out. Yeah, he never. Yeah, he didn't get to play his senior year at Southmore. But yeah, that's what it was. And so, like, I think that the one free thing that's fair. Yeah, but like. If athletes are not allowed to have NCAA free agency, why can't I have NCAA football on my gaming consoles? Maybe someday. I don't know. They're coming out with that new one, which is like not licensed. I'm by not going to play it either. You're <laughs> not. It, well, it looks dumb. I mean, it, it the taint the you can't use uh, the real schools, can you? Right. No. Yeah. But you know somebody's going to like just like they do with to create uniforms. They're going to yeah. create everything to a T mm-hmm. and make it work. But the stadiums aren't going to be there. True. I mean, that's... I don't know. The Oklahoma it, it, Land Sharks. I'm going to wait. In Crimson and Green. I'm going to wait for the day that it finally comes back. I I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm skeptical that it ever does, but... I swear to God, if it doesn't come, I'm going to burn EA Sports to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, now, Well, now I'm sad. I mean, yeah. now that we're going down this road. It's true. I miss... Uh, yeah, I miss recruiting... I, yeah. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I think college football fandom's fervor for recruiting mm-hmm. was partially influenced by NCAA football. I, I think Definitely. that's part of the reason why everyone follows recruiting as much as they do, because it's something that they sort of did competitively. You had to actively on, do yeah, in the online actively, dynasties yeah. and everything like that. that. So it, it's something that everyone enjoys following now, especially now that that game is gone. Right. I think that's, I mean, I, I think that's that played a small role in it, I think. I always, I was thinking about like a modern NCAA obviously, football game. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, like it's, it's something that would appeal to people regardless because people, I think they look forward to a looking to the future more than they do analyzing the past. Right. So recruiting inherently is intriguing in that way. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like I said, the video game I think played a large role in that. <laughs> I was thinking about a modern version where you can like go the Hugh Freeze route or 
There you go. Whoever else Bags is around man. and just like throw money at recruits and like steal recruits and get them decommitted, mm-hmm. even though we were just talking about how it's not actually a real word. Yeah, we and were talking about that. There, decommitment, or we need to find out a real word because decommitment is not a word in the dictionary. Uncommitted. Is that, is that open? Right? Reopened his recruitment. I'm tired yes. of writing reopened his recruitment. We need a word that's an actual word. Maybe Webster will just because of other things will say, well, decommitted. They use it plenty of times. We'll just put it in the dictionary. Yeah, that kind of happens over time with Webster. So, yeah, I think maybe it will. But maybe autocorrect will stop messing with me on that one. So they'll just like just put it in there, just say it's a word. Yeah. But that's really, that's really all I have for today. There's a lot of basketball, a lot of of squeaky shoes. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Oh. What are your plans for watching the game? What are your weekend plans? That's what we did with the old podcast, so I'm continuing that. All right, sounds good. Uh, well, Friday, I'm going to watch the game. Yeah. Uh, probably, man, it's an early it's an early one. I might just... We're used to that, like we were saying. But. Yeah. I don't know. I'll probably just wake up, get some coffee and some donuts, have a late morning, just like do that. There and then the weekend, bro, I'm just going to... It's your spring break, right? Because you're you're a teacher, oh, right? Yeah. So this yeah. is your spring break. So I'll probably be on top of just like being sad by actually having to go back to work. I mean, it's not that I don't like my job. Just like you know, you just get an entire week off. Yeah, exactly. And you get to sleep in, and then uh, you know, grading papers, watching a lot, a lot of basketball. That's there you that's go. what my weekend consists of. What's what about yours? Oh, Thursday, I think we're gonna do the whole bar thing. Good time. I have like every birthday or Christmas, I always people always give me Buffalo Wild Wings wait, gift wait, cards. Wait. It's your birthday? No, it's not my birthday. But I'm saying that every time I have a birthday or okay. Christmas comes oh, around, they give them to you. I get those as gifts. So I've got up. I don't go to Buffalo Wild Wings that much. Same. So I've got those saved up. So I might just Take the crew to B dubs and just go ham. Yeah. So we'll see. Sounds like a good time. Beers on Jack because he's got like 17 Buffalo Wild Wings gift cards. Yeah. So if you see Jack this weekend, um, he's got a lot of Buffalo Wild Wings cards in. I might yeah. I might buy you a beer because it won't be my money. It'll be Buffalo Wild Wings money or whoever the hell bought me the gift. It'll money, be so. It'll be grandma's money. Yeah. It'll be grandma's money. So yeah, there true. you go. Grandma's money is the best money. Yep. But it's worth more. That about wraps us up. But hey. Be sure to follow us and like all the articles that we drop and everything that we put out there on crimsonandcreammachine.com. There's a lot of awesome content, a lot of awesome people that work on it for you guys. Absolutely. So Seth's a neat guy. Yes, yeah, Seth's really cool. Alan's really smart. He went to Villanova. He's a smart guy. He's still East Coast school, huh? East Coast. Yeah, and he went to Northwestern, so he's double smart. Double smart. That's double smarter than I am. Yeah, I went to OU in Florida State. So that makes me feel dumb. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm UC, I'm just UCO and OU, so I'm just yeah. like I'm just I'm just like hanging out with my. That's about it. <laughs> Villanova, man. Well, I'm just sad now. Yeah, well, but Alan makes our blog much smarter. So yeah, he uses a lot of big words and he does. He fights with Ian Boyd a lot, which is really good. Yeah, I want to fight Tom Herman. I want to fight Tom Herman too. I want to fight in general. He's a hardo. I don't like. I, see, <laughs> I, I hate him. I hate Tom Herman. I just because like it has nothing to do with the fact that he's Texas's head coach. It's just because I hate Hardos, tryhards. He's a little bitch more than anything on earth, and he's ah oh god, he he's just rubs me the wrong way. He's a little bitch. Yeah, he is. But 
Lincoln, Lincoln Riley is so much cooler than oh, Tom Herman. It, it just, it's not even close. Why a person would voluntarily play for Tom Herman instead of Lincoln Riley is just beyond me. And they got, I don't get it. They've got ludicrous out there. That's true. Yeah, they don't have Lee Brass. So yeah. So. But hey, I think it about wraps us up. Follow Jack on Twitter. He usually is at the Crimson and Cream Machine at usually. Twitter handle at CC Machine, and then you can just follow me at BoomtownRW. Um, I think about wraps us up. So we'll check you guys later.